Welcome everyone, my name is Shannon Brown, I'm a Senior Analyst at Standards Australia and your host of the Sets of Standard podcast, a podcast where we speak to industry experts about current and emerging industries and technologies to better understand the role of standards in benefiting the Australian community. KPMG reports that by 2030, we could be spending more time in the metaverse than the real world. More time in a virtual world that enables users to explore new places, interact with others and experience new things in an immersive digital environment. In the coming decade, as we move further towards this historic transformation, how ready are we as a society to embrace the metaverse into our homes, into our communities and our day-to-day lives? What can we learn from past mistakes of the current form of internet and how might these lessons be applied to develop a safe and reliable metaverse? And where do standards play a role in doing so? To discuss this and more, I am excited to be joined by Dr. Katrina Wallace and Corrine Raleigh-Tacos. Dr. Katrina Wallace is the founder of the Responsible Metaverse Alliance, chair of Boab AI, an AI startup venture capital fund, an adjunct professor at UNSW, author of Checkmate Humanity, The How and Why of Responsible AI, and is a shark on this year's Shark Tank series in Australia. I'm also joined by Corrine Raleigh-Tacos, who is the General Manager of Operations at Standards Australia, leading the organisation's standards development, publishing, technology and data functions. With over a decade of experience in the standards world, Corrine is actively involved in various governance groups within the International Organisation for Standardisation and the International Electrotechnical Commission to drive positive outcomes for the international communities that they serve. Some of her engagements include membership of the ISO IT Strategic Advisory Group and member of the International Electro Technical Commission Business Advisory Committee. Thank you both for joining me today. So today's uh, topic is the exciting concept of the metaverse. Some people might not know that it was coined back in 1992. There is a lot of excitement around the metaverse and what it is, but there's no consensus on the definition or its its key components. Katrina, do you mind telling us what it is? Is it the next iteration of the internet? So I certainly believe that the metaverse is the next big shift in technology, equal, if not more significant than the arrival of the internet back in the day. Mm. So when we think about definitions of what the metaverse is, I like to start by saying the metaverse is a construct Mm -hmm. that is quite ill-defined, but it isn't multiple metaverses. There is one metaverse which consists of multiple virtual worlds. So I have a, a simple definition then two technical definitions that I'd absolutely like to go share. for it. Yeah. <laughs> so so the simple definition is that the metaverse is a construct that represents virtual worlds mm-hmm. which are usually accessed through some type of technology such as augmented reality or virtual reality where people go to make social connections. So that would be the the rough definition. And we know there's about at least 160 virtual worlds that make up the construct of the metaverse just now. We go more technical definitions at the Responsible Metaverse Alliance. We work with two. So one of them is that the metaverse is a network of interconnected virtual worlds with the following key characteristics. It has presence, persistence, immersion, and interoperability. It is Regarded as the next iteration of the internet enabled by several converging technologies, including extended reality, artificial intelligence, decentralized ledger technologies or blockchain, Mm -hmm. neurotechnologies, optics, biosensing technologies, improved computer graphics, hardware, and network capabilities. 
So that's a super technical one. And then a more workable one we Mm -hmm. use is that the metaverse may be described as a persistent and immersive simulated worlds that are experienced in the first person by groups of simultaneous users Mm -hmm. who share a strong sense of mutual presence. So I think if we broke that down, the key words are virtual worlds, immersion, Mm -hmm. And presence. Just there now, you've given us three definitions. And when we look at standards, it's all about a consensus for one. So I think it was the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineer recently did a research paper and they looked at all the literature and reviewed papers on the metaverse definitions and they came to identifying 33. That's quite a lot of (laughs) definitions. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have then the standards development organizations. They're all looking at different aspects of the metaverse, similar aspects, and trying to help build the metaverse through standards. So with this type of activity, what's the impact on an emerging area like the metaverse when we have so much going on, so many varying definitions? Where do you even start? (laughs) Well, it's a very interesting question because in one hand, it's a positive, right? Mm -hmm. So all of those organizations, if we're really heading this direction that it's going to be the greatest next step in terms of, you know, what's coming next, that people are talking about it and trying to find that resolution and those definitions. I think that's really positive. Mm -hmm. But then we lie with this challenge that if there are multiple definitions or multiple standards available, it's like confusion galore, right? How do we actually navigate through that? I appreciate that we're in a podcast, but there is this wonderful little cartoon about standards where I actually have a a copy. So there's a conversation that goes, there are 15 competing standards and they go, well, that's ridiculous. We need to develop one universal standard that covers everyone use cases. And they go, yes. And then what happens? We then have 15 competing standards that are available. And I think when it's a brand new area of activity, this Mm. tends to happen. And hopefully where there are international organizations that it's okay for all of those things to be popping out. But then I think at some point it needs to converge and we need to have a very clear definition because otherwise you have confusion for developers and there is not no aligned view of what it is and what it should be used for. And that's funny because you mentioned the metaverse is for interoperability. So if you've got standards where there are people are, there's guidelines to develop different technologies to, to try and enter into that metaverse, but there's no commonality of interoperability, then to try and come to that virtual world, that would be a nightmare because you've got so many different players developing in silos. And then yeah. you're saying, oh, by the way, we need you all to come together and ensure that your application software are all interoperable. You can see the value in standards even even with with that. But then when we look at then those converging technologies, such as AI, there's just so much going on. You know, with ChatGPT, for example, in January 2023, it reached 100 million users. So it's the it's like the the fastest growing consumer application in, in a short period of time. Do you see, Katrina, that similar trajectory to the metaverse or... Is it a different ballgame altogether? One of the important things that you just noted, Shannon, is that AI is a core component of of the metaverse. So we're already seeing generative AI, of which ChatGPT is a type, popping up in metaverse applications. So now ChatGPT can drive automated avatars in the metaverse. So we're going to see when these emerging technologies all come into maturity, it'll pop the metaverse capability even further. So in the next six to 12 months, we expect Apple to come to market 
fingers crossed, with their mixed reality, so augmented reality mm-hmm. glasses and applications and operating system, that should push things along as well. Even though Apple strictly does not like to be associated with the word metaverse, oh, it okay. is a metaverse-related type technology. So I think more than just the metaverse itself pops up into maturity, mm-hmm. we'll see the individual components that make up the metaverse hit various levels of maturity. Because we've got to think that virtual reality, which is a core technology, is also 60 or 70 years old. None of these are new technologies. In terms then of those converging technologies, like you said, when we look at ChatGPT, it's a rapid evolution. Like it's just six months ago, like we said, no, I don't think many of us knew maybe, well, I certainly didn't what it, what it was. Yeah. Now all of a sudden it's, it's impacting every yeah. business, every, yeah, you know, universities. But then with the emerging technologies, Green, then how do standards development keep up with that fast paced environment when we're developing standards for Yeah, well, I mean, this is a a real big challenge for Standards Development Organisations. We had a chat not long Mm. ago about what we are doing at Standards Australia to try and really keep up the pace. I think standards are recognised for, you know, a very robust process, um, lots of consultation and overall agreement consensus around definitions, as we talked about before. But these things take time. And the reality is that for some of those areas, we don't have time because otherwise we'll see the, the development of the technology going well ahead of any of those boundaries that need to be in place. So I think there is an element for standards development organizations to really rethink the way that we go about developing those um, very robust content to assist those industries. But I also think that there is a, a need for experts as well to rethink how they're engaging with organizations. And, and the reason I say this is because people tend to strive for perfection when you're developing a standard, right? So you yeah. want to cover all of the possibilities and you want to make sure that whatever you're putting to market is going to ensure that people are safe mm-hmm. and whatever product or service is reliable and all of those aspects. But the reality is that if the end goal or the, the end product's not fully developed just yet, you need to kind of be okay with the fact that things are going to have to iterate, right? So it's putting a standard to market or maybe not even a standard, a technical specification or something that it's, let's just try and get agreement on the things that we may be able to agree now, but be okay with the gray and some of the uncertainty Mm -hmm. as well, which is not something that goes side by side with With, standards development. Yeah, because it's like the metaverse isn't evolving concept. It's not like, oh, this is what it is. We all know what it Mm -hmm. is. Now let's start developing standards and guidelines to set those boundaries, like like you've mentioned. But then when we know that it is a rapid evolving technology concept, are we ready to welcome it into our homes, into, you know, businesses? If tomorrow, like, would we, Mm -hmm. would we all be prepared? So... (laughs) Good question. (laughs) Where do we start? Well, I think we start by acknowledging that the way we can think about the metaverse and the various virtual worlds Mm -hmm. is that they are new worlds. The way I explain to audiences that we have a physical world. Mm -hmm. So we are here now, the three of us, four of us in the physical (laughs) world. Then this podcast will be released in a digital world environment. Mm -hmm. Yep. And now we have a virtual world. So there are three worlds that we exist in. But unless you have a headset of some sort, you don't might not even know the virtual world exists, yet it is a whole economy and whole uh, community and, and a whole ecosystem being built with, you know, over $200 billion worth of investment into it last year. So it is very real. But more importantly, 
I think it is like the new Wild West because these virtual worlds that are fully immersive, mostly targeted at young people. So at the moment, we think there's just under half a billion people who are active monthly users of some metaverse-related environment. But it has, these virtual worlds have no laws, no rules, Mm -hmm. no government, no policing, no governance really. And so even though I'm very excited from an entertainment, education and probably healthcare would be the three big use cases, Mm -hmm. we're also inviting into our lives completely ungoverned, wild new world run by the tech giants. And that's funny you mentioned the Wild West because it'd be interesting for both of you. So if it was to come into our homes tomorrow yes, and it was unregulated, unstandardized versus it comes into our homes, it's regulated, it's appropriately standardized. How do you compare, if I was just to put this headset on now, what I would experience? I think you mentioned this before, it would be in the hands of the tech giants. Does anyone really trust them? Have we seen great things coming out of the tech giants? I don't think we can. I would say if there are no standards or ethical barriers or boundaries, I would say, I think it will, would be incredibly dangerous, particularly, I mean, I have kids, 12 and nine, and my son and daughter both play Roblox and Minecraft Mm -hmm. and all of that. And, you know, I get anxious just with that. And it's, you know, fascinating and it's a fascinating environment and and all of of those aspects. But the fact that if there is no content moderation and there is no control over the data that your privacy and all of those aspects, it's, I would think it would be incredibly dangerous, particularly as we move forward. And Katrina mentioned the health space. Gosh, if you don't have a very tight regulatory environment that's governing those environments, then it would be incredibly dangerous. A lot of people, I think, would refrain from participating yeah. and from using it. Mm-hmm. So it would be detrimental even to, to the development of that technology yeah. um, and its use. At the Responsible Metaverse Alliance, the thing that we are most concerned about is the targeted influence and manipulation of vulnerable people in the metaverse. So if we think about already Web 2.0 and social media, how it has been used to polarise audiences, to create extreme right-wing views, to create real challenges with young people, particularly young women, about body image or self-esteem, we know Web 2.0 has come with a lot of dark sides. So imagine taking those attributes, putting them in a fully immersive virtual world at scale with a lot more ability for the tech giants to monitor and then target Mm -hmm. individuals. This is the risk that we face. So, for example, with a, a headset on, a virtual reality headset on, if someone has that on for less than two minutes, research now shows that the headset and the data that's from the headset around facial movements, heart rate, physical movements are enough to identify a person so that the tech company would know who that person is. But not only can they identify who they are, but then they can identify, oh, Shannon reacted emotionally to this. Okay, she had a positive reaction to that. So we can target her with these things. So that could be everything to targeting you with a new lipstick through to a extremist political group. So this is the danger, is the immersive nature and the data that can be collected is far greater than anything we've ever seen. And that's these nicely, even though terrifying, uh, <laughs> onto my next question. When we look at like what critical aspects do we need to address to ensure we don't repeat the same mistakes of the current form of the internet? Like 
those new and emerging areas that we now need to look at for emotional privacy now, behavioural privacy, those things, I could be wrong, but I don't think we need to address them web 2.0 because it's not immersive, it's it's 2D. But now, like you said, their heart rate, your facial expressions, like where do you even start when it comes to lessons learned and applying them for, for web 3.0 and what additions do we need? Yes. So we strongly believe that the area to focus on for standards and regulations, when it all boils down to what is the most risky area, is around this concept of targeted influence and manipulation of individuals. And there's a couple of categories we talk about, some of which you mentioned, Mm -hmm. but one of them is this, this concept of the right to experiential authenticity, which means if I am a young person with a headset having a metaverse experience and I have see a product in my environment or I see a spokesperson in my environment, I should know whether that product has been placed there as a way that it's been trying to be sold to me mm-hmm. or if it, it genuinely was put there by another person in the metaverse who's a friend who just happened to use it. I need to know also if there's an avatar who is making an approach to to talk to me, to persuade me to do something. Is that just a genuine other person or yeah. is it a virtual spokesperson of a particular brand and is it actually a human or is it an automated AI-driven avatar? So this concept of experiential authenticity we think is absolutely important that there are a standards of regulations around me as a Metaverse user knowing is this authentic or is it a, a, am I trying to be persuaded to do something? Because it's very hard to distinguish between an avatar, an AI generated avatar and Alexa being Korean. Like it's very hard to know who to trust as well. That's Right. That's right the, yeah. yeah. And particularly now with generative AI yeah. Uh, driving some of these AI driven avatars, mm-hmm. there would be, particularly for an inexperienced user, mm-hmm. a lot of difficulty discerning between is this a human avatar or is this an AI avatar? Can I ask a question? Of is course. <laughs> Off script. Yeah. But I would assume also that the objections from those they're creating, those environments, is that by doing that, what you're advocating for, then you're taking kind of some of the immersive sense of reality that you would have in the metaverse, right? Is that is that something that you come across that if people know, if I know, so if I'm in a metaverse and I know that, well, that was actually a placed ad or someone that you won't feel as immersive? Do you find that there are a lot of objections around that? Well, not necessarily because the way that if we think of where Metaverse, a large part of where the Metaverse communities come from, it's from the gaming community. Mm -hmm. And in gaming communities, often gamers really welcome those product placements because they might be buying a new skin or Mm -hmm. a new a weapon or a new handbag or a new outfit to wear in the metaverse. And so mm-hmm. so we've seen some of the big brands like Gucci, um, Gucci partnered with Roblox. You know, the most yeah. unlikely yeah, partnerships. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Prada, Ralph Lauren, Nike, a number of the big luxury brands mm-hmm. are partnering with the metaverse virtual world providers. And I think the gamers and and those using it may well welcome those products and still find it part of um, the immersive experience. But 
if we take it out of the gaming into, you know, I'm, I'm doing an education or, or I'm having an, a tour through an arts museum or something, then for me, I think what you're trying to say, Karina, is that it's a much more authentic experience if I'm just experiencing the art and not being sold, sold to. Yeah. to yeah. But as far as we know, and, and yet the business models are still to emerge mm-hmm. from the metaverse, but what we can see so far is they're pretty much the same as Web 2.0 or social media where it is about engagement mm-hmm. and advertising and selling you products. Yep. So when I take that virtual tour through the art gallery, I would like not to have Coca-Cola sold to me, yeah. Yeah. but it is probably very likely that the way that the gallery gets funded is through advertising. Yeah. Yeah. So we still haven't cracked that. So then it can be essentially what you're saying is that it can be done, but it needs to be done in a way that people are aware that that is advertising as opposed to, right. you know, it's a friend of mine that's recommending this. So you you know that someone's actually yeah. trying to sell it. I, I get it. Thank Absolutely you. right. <laughs> I'm learning here. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but they're all new concepts, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 It's, it is, like we said, it's a really evolving. It is the physical into the virtual, but it's not as easy as just pick it up and put into mm-hmm. a place. There's so many things to consider because it's the marriage of Web 2.0 and the physical world and how you bring them together. It's so incredibly exciting, terrifying, but, you know, at least it's one of those things. If we can learn from those lessons of Web 2.0, hopefully, you know, we can really embrace it. And then in terms of those lessons learned from the standards as well, we look at those emerging technologies that make up the the metaverse. Is there any technology such as blockchain and and AI where that may be applicable that we could learn in terms of um, the growth and standardization of the metaverse? I think for both the, the ones that you mentioned, a lot of work internationally is currently taking place and it has been quite positive. The Joint Technical Committee of ISO and IEC on Artificial Intelligence is doing some great work and they have released a technical report on ethics in AI, essentially. And it's interesting. And I talked about these a little bit of concepts they are evolving. And you note that this was not an international standard necessarily, right? But it was a technical report. And in part, is like pushing the boundaries a little bit and putting something out there so people can actually provide feedback, use it. Did we get it right? Did we not get it right? Another one that followed the exact same path, and we talked about these in the last podcast that we, we spoke with, Mike Wood from Telstra, was when 5G was coming. They had a real need for some specifications, but the whole world was scared about it. There were all these myths and the scaremongering that was taking place. And the, in the initial steps, when the, there was a suggestion of trying to develop an international standard, people went, no, because it means that I'm going to have to comply with these. I don't know what's going to look like. So they actually opted for the path of kind of a lower consensus document, but just to get the ball rolling. And within 12 months of that publication going live, they are converting it into an international standard because they received a lot of feedback. It's putting practice in some countries and now they actually have a lot more robustness to actually push on and say, this is the standard, right? And I think that's something that should definitely be in consideration here. And also, as we talked about before, if there are 50-something definitions or various organizations there are developing standards in the metaverse, I think coming towards a convergence, not in the so distant future, so that we actually know these are the relevant standards that should be applicable would be incredibly useful. Otherwise, people are going to be shopping for whatever they think suits them better. And it dilutes then the consensus of a standard because if there's five of them, it's one of those things. But like you said, it's, it's evolving. It's early days. It's trying to develop a standard for a concept that's still... The concept is 
a virtual world. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not so in the analysis we did of what existing standards might be being worked on. And we know that there's at least six or seven organisations globally who are working on standards at the moment. The, the Metaverse Standards Forum, who are good friends of ours, mm-hmm. doing good work. Um, XRSI doing good work. World Economic Forum doing good work. But even in the Metaverse Standards Forum, which is an international movement, we looked at they have at least 35 categories of where standards could be applied because we're talking about whole new worlds, not yeah. just a slice of technology <laughs> yeah, or not yeah. just telecommunications, but a whole virtual mm. world underpinned by five or six of the largest technologies in the world. Yeah. So question is, you know, where on earth do you start? Yeah. And interestingly, we've seen a lot of the standards conversations been around, as you mentioned earlier, Shannon, interoperability, yeah. which on the face of it is reasonably sensible things. So the virtual worlds need to be able to operate. If I own an NFT in one world, a non-fungible token, I should be able to take it into another world. If I have identity in one world, I should be able to take it into another world. That's kind of sensible. Mm -hmm. But you can imagine there could be billions of dollars just invested into that over the next Mm. five to 10 years to try and get that to be a thing. And then we've got dozens and dozens of other categories of standards that are still required. We are in the early days, but where do you both think Australia could lead in that standardization or general in terms of to ensure that safe deployment of the metaverse? Where do you think we our strengths lie? I think we should build on the very good work that we've done around online safety and safety by design, which yeah. has been led by our e-safety commissioner, Julie Inman Grant, who to me, is a legend and a hero. (laughs) And Australia has been a leader because we're not really a leader in many technology things, let's be perfectly honest. (laughs) But we have been a leader and then particularly around child safety. So if if I boiled everything that we've talked about in the 35 categories, I think Australia should double down on safety. So not necessarily commercialization of brands in the metaverse. I think other countries can do that. If we double down on safety by design, online yeah. safety with a focus on children, yeah. I think that would be excellent. And then our recommendation would be around putting some standards regulation around targeted influence and manipulation. Because yeah. if we think about the most vulnerable, it will be at children and other perhaps underserved communities who will be targeted and manipulated. So yeah. if we can keep them safe, I think that would be a good thing for Australia. Yeah. yeah. And green is that? What she said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Great answer. Yeah. <laughs> and no. then, no, no, yeah, no, 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 yeah. I was just going to say, yeah. I mean, it's quite interesting because this debate has been happening around between ISO and IC. So Stands Australia is a member of both ISO and IC and there was a lot of discussions about, you know, metaverse and they've, kind of where does it belong? Does one do it? And it, we were getting increasingly frustrated with the conversation from an international perspective because it's like, well, we just need to get on with it, whether yeah, it belongs right. to one organization or another, because to your point, then you have a bunch of others that are kind of like filling that space. And we had internal conversations about, well, you know, why do, why don't we lead? And when we think about the technology side, it's like, well, not, not quite. Like, yeah. where are we going yeah. to find that? So I think, Katrina, your points are very well made and I think incredibly sensible that that's something I still see there is a gap yeah. and it is somewhere that Australia can contribute. 
So finally, to get there to the ideal way for us to lead, what partnerships are needed, like to really build that safety by design ecosystem and that robust ecosystem, what kind of partnerships are needed? Yeah, which is a a great question and a big question because, of (laughs) course, when we talk about metaverse, there's no real jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing quite a lot of work with police and state police in Australia and New Zealand, uh, federal police, and now Interpol. So the Responsible Metaverse Alliance is part of Interpol's, Interpol, it's called IMEG, Interpol Metaverse Experts Group. And the great question there is, if a crime is committed in the metaverse, whose jurisdiction is it? Is it Interpol? Is it is it international policing? Is it national policing? Is it state policing? Who knows? There is a big challenge about whether Australia on its own could just create something yep. Yep. because there is no concept of national or even international really it's 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 more this whole virtual world environment so i would think we would need partnerships with international organizations that are looking at a similar targeted area and i'm also going to give a plug to the kiwis okay i think new zealand is really really advanced on how they're thinking about the metaverse And what my experience is also is that New Zealand had a very, very terrible experience with the Christchurch massacre Mm -hmm. that was obviously then streamed through Web 2.0 technologies Mm -hmm. and on the back of that created an organisation called Christchurch Call, which now works internationally to make sure that never again is does a country, particularly New Zealand, experience something like this that happened, a terrible, terrible tragedy. And so I've been super impressed with the New Zealanders on how advanced they are in thinking about the metaverse and challenges of the metaverse. So I'd say get the Kiwis right on <laughs> right on in there. And, and then I think we would need to partner with organisations such as the Metaverse Standards mm-hmm. Forum, XRSI, yep. some of these other standards groups to try and pull whatever we do into an international framework. Karine? I'm just going to add, I think if there is, and I know there is already good work on the way in some of those um, standards development organisations or in other countries, like let's not reinvent the wheel to the extent that things are there or even for different disciplines. I mean, there was a lot of work that was done from the AI perspective or blockchain, like there's no, at times, you know, reinventing the wheel is unnecessary, particularly for us to actually get things yeah. out quicker. I think there is a challenge sometimes with the standard, the formal international standard system where there is a, a reluctance to kind of recognize some of those smaller organizations. Yeah. But I think in the specific environment, we absolutely have to. I think yeah. we need to re- really rethink how we do standards development and, and kind of bring some of those into the formal tent, right? Yeah. Otherwise, we're going to see an even greater proliferation of standards and terminologies that is not going to be helpful for anyone. Well, thank you both (laughs) for talking us through what we can expect in the metaverse, what we need to do and what we can do. So thank you both very much. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I would like to thank our guests and also acknowledge the contribution from the Australian Commonwealth Government in making this happen. 